This is a download from the outdoorstation.co.uk. Number 397. You're listening to the 2015 TGO Challenge, sponsored by The Great Outdoors magazine, Handbag Footwear and Fial Raven. This is part nine, the concluding episode from the 2015 TGO Challenge series. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this collection and that it has perhaps whetted your appetite to join the adventure yourself one day. As has been mentioned many times during this series, this event is totally unique. It is the largest backpacking event of its kind in the world, but it isn't for the faint-hearted. Everything about it is a challenge. The weather, the terrain, the navigation and the need to carry everything for a successful and safe crossing. But equally, the rewards can be magnificent. The personal achievement should not be underestimated. Combined with the breathtaking views, the remote rugged landscape and the camaraderie, anyone who achieves a successful crossing gains considerably more on a personal level than any normal two-week break provides. We pick this up now as Rose and I, along with many other challengers, pack up at North Water Bridge campsite before setting off on the short road walk to the coast at St Cyrus. And so the final morning is now here and we're at North Water Bridge at uh, half past seven in the morning. As you can see, this lovely, attractive rural location is surrounded by, I think it's the A9 and the roar of the traffic, which has been consistent all night long. It's like sleeping next to a um, motorway. I had a quick count. I think there's about 47 tents here. Uh, so a quick invasion. I'm presuming they had a similar sort of number last night. Uh, people passing through. Um, and North Waterbridge uh, is not quite the campsite it used to be, not quite as... As, um, well, they were welcoming, but the uh, the showers and things are a little bit dubious. A lot of people, when they arrived, myself included, had a cold shower, which was not greatly appreciated. But we're ready for the final push, the big push over the top, eh, Rose? Yep, looking forward to uh, getting home now. Um, the end's in sight, and uh, yeah, listening to the, ro- the roar of traffic last night instead of the stream and the curlews and the birds and grouse was like. Aww. Yeah, it's, it makes a massive difference. It's a horrible reintroduction back to civilization, uh, and all those noises that you've just so quickly forgotten over the last couple of weeks. Um, it is 13k to the coast, and I believe Tony and Lee are roaring to go, ready to go about um, eight o'clock. So we're sort of slowly packing ourselves up together to, to get going. A few people have already left. Uh, and I'm sure the, the mass exodus will happen between 8 and 9, and this place will be virgin once again. There might still be a few coming through tonight. Some people are not finishing until tomorrow. Yeah, that's true. Uh, the weather is... Um, it's been raining most of the night, which is a shame, so it's wet tent packed down, which is a, a annoyance. I've obviously got one more final night putting the tent up at Montrose, uh, but it's just stopped now, so... That's not uh, too bad. It'll give us a chance to pack it away and wipe it down and pack it as dry as we can. 
So without more ado, I shall try and have a chat with people if we can along the road, if not somewhere uh, around Montrose or in Montrose, uh, and catch up. I'd like to speak to a few people I've got on my list um, regarding their thoughts uh, for this particular event and the event in general. So... That's it, really? That's it. Yeah, all, all, all bow, all bar, touching foot in sea. Yeah, yeah, it's all over. Just that's very dangerous climb down to the sea. And yeah, back. Yeah. There was a, one lady I met hobbling today um, towards the ladies, and she was really struggling. And I said, "Oh, what have you done?" And basically, she she'd gone over on her ankle, I think, on Jack's Road, and she said, "You know, like these things develop uh, progressively, it got worse, and um, to the point where now she's really struggling to walk. And apparently, she'd torn ligaments in this ankle before, and she feels that even the last 13k, if she does it, she will just take." You know, it took her a year to heal up last time. She might just have to call it a day here, which is such yeah, a shame, but shame. realistic. And she said, you know, she's done it before and got the certificate. So, you know, so wisdom is the better part of valour, really, I think. Yeah, especially when you know how long things take to heal, certainly. That's a, that's a sad yeah, story. so it's a really sad uh, end for her. Right, uh, time to pack up then. Once on the road, we see a string of challenges before us, all walking at a different pace towards the coast. Some in clusters of friendship they have made during the 200 miles, and some stoically just putting one blistered foot in front of the other, knowing they will get there eventually. One of these was Greg Lindstrom from Windsor, Massachusetts, who was still managing a tortured, good-natured smile with every painful step. I managed to distract him for a short while as we talked of his other Fial Raven adventures and how it compared to the challenge. It started off about a year ago when I was doing Fellriven Polar, and that kind of led me into what else is Fellriven offering, and they had Fellriven Classic, which is like a 110-kilometer hike up in the Arctic Circle. And a gentleman by the name of Frank uh, said, hey, the TGO sounds like it's right up your alley, what you like to do. He said, check it out. And as soon as I did, I knew I was hooked. And you've done the, the Fellraven Polar and the Fellraven Classic, before we talk about the TGO, tell us a bit more about that, because a lot of people would probably like to know a bit more information about what those events are like. Well, the Fell Riven Polar is a more of a social media contest. Uh, it gets two people from every country, for, te- for ten different countries, get to participate in a dog sledding expedition from the, uh, the coast of Norway up to near Finland into Sweden over a week. And Fell Riven supplies all the gear, you keep the gear, other than your tent and your sleeping bag. And uh, so first place is if you get the most social media votes. And the second person who gets in is by a jury selection by Fell Riven themselves. Oh, wow. Okay. And the event itself, is it tough? Is it... uh, Well, yeah, just describe it. Obviously, it's in the snow. Yeah, it actually is kind of tough because, especially the first day, because when you get there, you really don't know what to expect. So they actually spend the nights. They assume that some people have never slept in a tent before. So, and a lot of them hadn't. Like uh, one of the people who was with us, uh, she had never been outside before. Oh, right. Yeah, so it makes it interesting. So you spend one night, and then the next day, you get there, and they say, these are your six dogs. Grab them. I'll show you how to hook them up. 
Go. <laughs> no training. Okay. <laughs> so you're on the, on the road for about uh, five or six days uh, just sledding through the wilderness. And it's beautiful. The first day is the hardest because there's a not monster hill that yeah. you get up around 4 p.m. If you can make it up to 4 p.m. on the first day, you're good. <laughs> and what's it like running with dogs? It must be fantastic. I was. I have four dogs of my own, so it was just like, to me, it was like going home. It's a little different because, you know, my dogs sleep in my bed, and these dogs sleep on a chain outside and covered up with snow. You're trying to find them in the morning. (laughs) It's a different mindset that these dogs are used to, but they love it, and they thrive on it. So that was hard for me as a dog lover. (laughs) Wow, wow. That sounds fascinating. So um, how does that then compare to the actual Fowl Raven Classic? Well, the Fowl Raven Classic is a... We used it as like a little polar reunion. So a bunch of us who had been on the polar before and some other previous years, polar people all got together and we said we'd hike together. So you show up and it's like a giant warehouse full of gear. You go there, you pick out any kind of food you want. You, you can get two days, four days, whatever you think you need. Um, and you load up and there's all kinds of Felraven gear. They show you how to do ironing on your pants. So it's kind of a, a show where they're showing off the gear, but it's also a place that you start resupplying. And then on Fell Raven Classic, you go for like two or three days. You have a passport. Uh, they give you like a paper passport. And you, st- you have to get every checkpoint stamped. Okay. And there's like seven different checkpoints. And is there a lot of navigation between checkpoints or is it just an established route you just it's, follow? It's, it's pretty much an established route. So it's very straightforward. You know where you're going. Um, I can't think I ever had to use my compass or anything even once. Do you, I mean, could, could you wander off route if you wanted to? Uh, you can do side little peaks and stuff like that if you want to, as long as you make your checkpoints. Yeah, you're good. Okay. And I, I presume the checkpoints, is, and then do people camp en masse at these checkpoints or something? Yeah, exactly. So there's 300 pe- or 3,000 people, I think, doing this thing. Wow. So it's, you know, but some they start them off in different waves. So you have like a 9 o'clock first day wave, 11 o'clock first day wave, and there's like an official, like almost like a Boston Marathon start. Everybody goes. Okay. <laughs> so they keep them spaced out throughout the, like a four-day window when they do the start. So it's never too bad finding a campsite or anything like that. Do some people run it? I mean, if you so, like here, you can you know over, overshoot a day if you want to, or do you have to so go do set distances? Nope. And actually, they're usually the most coveted spots are day one, start one, because a lot of people do run them. Right. Uh, they'll just use like a small Terra Nova or a bivy sack, and they'll run the whole thing. And I think the record is like a, a day and a half, you know, or something like that. Twenty four hours. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's unbelievable. You can, we can look it up, but it's unbelievable how fast some of these people run it through the mountains. And it's, what, 90 kilometers, did you say? I think it's 110, if I remember correctly. Okay, okay. Well, thanks for that. That's a useful bit of information, because we've been talking about the Fowl Raven Classic, because it's been appearing in the magazines recently. Um, now, this is your first TGO. You've obviously uh, heard about it and, and have joined. Do tell us what your, your thoughts are and reflections on, on the actual event itself, and, and then we'll talk a bit about your trip. Uh, when I first started, I thought this thing, well, I was going to be wild camping, uh, probably nine or t- of ten of the days. Uh, I'd be totally by myself. I wouldn't see another person. And I've discovered it's a whole social event <laughs> because there's natural influxes of people ending up at key spots. Uh-huh. And at those spots, we usually end up having beers or we end up you know, talking, you know, getting more experiences. Hey, which route are you going? Hey, why don't you try this? So I discovered that the whole social scene of the TGO is much more involved than I ever would have thought. And does that make it, did that make it better for you? Makes it far better. Yeah. It makes me want to come back and do it more. It's like when we were at Calitor Lodge or whatever. Yeah. I met the, the gentleman, the gentleman my, uh, named Dennis, uh-huh. and he tried to persuade me from going this one route solo because, you know, it was, you know, it was jocks and it was snowing that day. 
And last night at the supper table, uh-huh. we're sitting there and somebody, hey, Greg, he wants to talk to you. <laughs> he goes, I remember you. <laughs> so from a brief five or ten minute conversation, we ended up chatting more time on the phone last night than any other time. <laughs> uh, cool. Excellent. Excellent. And what about the, uh, the actual navigation and, and the actual exploration side of it? Have you found that to be uh, a, a problem coming from the States? I understand there's a lot of people in the States struggle sometimes with the maps and, and navigation. Well, yeah. In fact, I even noticed people from the UK were having trouble with getting their garments and stuff like that to read out British grid coordinates. <laughs> and, you know, it's like that should be the number one thing you can do. So if you don't need to do a quick checkpoint, um, you should use that. And that's really what I used it for mostly. It's like, hey, this is the checkpoint I'm supposed to be at. Uh, yes, I confirm I'm here. So which made it nice. And the actual physical aspect of it, you're hobbling a bit now, so I think you've got a few blisters. How, how have you found... <laughs> Have you found the actual physical part of it, the, the challenge or the distance or, or what? I think keeping your feet dry is, in your, is impossible. Uh-huh. And I think trying to work on that. And try also when you're walking on most of these slopes, especially the first couple of days, your feet are like at a constant 30-degree angle. Mm. So you get blisters in places you didn't think you could get blisters at. And, but if you're around navigation, that's one of the fun part of this whole thing I've discovered is that as you're going along, it's like... Uh, two days ago, I was coming out, and there's some cliffs there, and, and I was the only one on this route. And I couldn't figure out why no one else was going this way, so I second-guessed my own route. Uh-huh. So I went back, ended up doing three Monroes, trying to find a better route, and after four hours later, came back to the same spot I started. <laughs> but you know what, though? I got to explore an entire peak system that I had never seen before. Uh-huh. And just using the maps, you know, I was knew I was safe, but it just... It was my call-in day, so yeah. I had to really hoof it to get uh, to a place I could get a cell phone signal. <laughs> and so is it your first time to Scotland? Yeah, I've been to Scotland twice, but only by train. Okay. So I had done the, the Brit Rail, so I've been up to the Orkney Islands, the Plockton. Okay. Uh, my wife's been here probably like four or five times because before she met me. But uh, we love it. And I, I'd always thought this would be a great place to explore by foot. And then when I saw this, it's like it was perfect. <laughs> So as events go then, are you of the opinion that the, the TGO Challenge is really as unique as, as, as it's advertised? It is not only as unique as advertised, I'm surprised it's not more well-known and world-famous. This thing is such a, it's a classic route. I mean, like you have the Appalachian Trail in America, you have a few other ones here, but nowhere do you have the ability to really create your route and go across an entire country. So to me, that's what I'm surprised it's not more well-known than it is. Especially as part of a social scene, because obviously the fact that there's a sort of a regular start day and a finish day, uh, it's condensed into a set to a couple of weeks. You can obviously do independent walks, but you don't get to see as many people. Well, right. And, you know, we were talking that with, uh, like with Ali last night, and, you know, some of the, the social aspects, like getting this thing on Facebook and getting more people involved in that area so people know about it would be helpful. Mm. And I think, you know, just, and also, you know, to find out what other people are thinking about routes. And you get a lot of ideas from other people. I saw some, like one time, like I was camping with 12 people, 11 of them went straight, I went to the right. I'm like, there's a problem here. <laughs> I mean, it was my route. I was supposed to, but why do they know and why are they going to this place and I'm not? So next time I'm going to go where they went just to find out where they went and why. <laughs> yeah, that's the one thing you learn as you go through the, the challenge. The, the people that have been doing it a few years, they know some of the shortcuts or some of the secrets. Okay, some rapid quite-fire questions then. Very simple. Sure. What's your best piece of equipment and your worst piece of equipment? Ah, my best piece of equipment is probably my Fellraven uh, fleece jacket I have under here. It's lightweight, mid-waist base. 
or it'd be my Spraker T-shirt, one of the two. I don't. It's kind of a tie for those two. Okay. <laughs> for my best piece of equipment. They haven't been off of me 11, 12 days now. <laughs> and your sort of your worst piece, or the piece that hasn't quite performed as well as you'd like? Uh, the shoes that I threw away in King Lucy. I am wearing new shoes for the past half of a week, right. for a week, and uh, so had to break those in. I was using some Los Sportivas, and they, like I said, I ended up getting. Eight blisters out of the ten toes and yeah. three blisters in other places, so they just did not perform not like good. they should have. Not good. Okay, and finally, um, what is your um, highest emotional point and your lowest emotional point that you remember? Ah, uh, probably coming up, maybe Glen Fishy, the uh, the valley. It was just such a beautiful day. It was be- it was nice and sunny, and just looking back through it, uh, it was great. I think the worst day is I woke up one morning covered in snow. And said, I'm not cooking breakfast, so I ate my lunch. (laughs) The Outdoor Station has been producing independent audio and video podcasts since 2005, reaching an audience of millions around the world. If you're looking for more inspiring tales, interviews or experiences, please visit the extensive library on our website, Every day, thousands of people download our audio podcasts. Our aim is to inform, inspire and entertain lovers of the great outdoors, to preserve the wilderness and to celebrate our deep relationship with it. Further along the road, I met Justine LaFrance from Calgary, Canada. When you're walking behind someone for a while... One tends to pass the time by analysing the rucksack they're carrying, the gear on display, and make a conclusion about their backpacking style. Justin certainly fell into the lightweight category. Once again, he confirmed the influence that blogs and podcasts have on helping the challenge reach a worldwide audience. Last year, I came across a blog, a trip report from the challenge. Someone who had uh, participated, someone from overseas. Uh, I don't actually recall which blog it was, but I came across that, and it sounded like a really interesting experience, a good way to see Scotland. So from there, I started searching for other blogs, and I came across a whole number of trip reports from previous years. And the ones that were most interesting to me were the ones from people who who come many, many times, people who live in Scotland do, are really familiar with the, the challenge. Okay. You, you've approached it, I can see, from the clothes you're wearing in your, in your rucksack from a lightweight perspective. I'm interested to see or to know um, how you chose what you did uh, before you came over from your experience in Canada. The gear I have is pretty similar to the gear that I would use in Canada, but I've brought more rain gear than I would necessarily use there. Uh, being in the Canadian Rockies with a fairly dry climate, whereas in New Scotland would be really wet. So I, I don't normally hike with rain pants or trousers. Here I, I've chosen to bring trousers, and I've worn them most of the time. Uh, but otherwise, it's the gear that I brought isn't necessarily that different than what I might use in Canada. I try to use lightweight gear in general, that's not necessarily my primary focus. I do look at functionality, mm-hmm. but having lightweight gear allows you to do more. Right. And, and do you find that the um, experience of travelling that little bit lighter has helped you enjoy uh, Scotland and all the varieties it offers you? Yeah, I would say so, definitely. 
um, the latter you go, the the more that you can just enjoy what's around you instead of focusing on your body being tired and, and your joints mm. aching. Uh, but it, you know, I would say that because it is such a wet and and this year a cold climate, I'm not sure that lightweight gear is the is necessarily your primary focus. It's just one of the things to consider along with making sure that you're protected from the elements. Yeah, it's good to hear that because, I mean, one of the key things I think that uh, most people would be, um, uh, the organisers are, would like to emphasise to people is obviously the trip, the challenge is in in itself uh, quite an adventure, but safety is obviously of paramount importance because it puts everybody at risk uh, if you put yourself into danger because you're... Um, expect too much from your equipment. Yeah, I would certainly agree with you. Safety is it's an important factor. Uh, actually, going back to your original question, like, what would I, what have I brought here that I wouldn't necessarily have at home? One thing is I have a, a satellite communicator, the inReach device, and I brought that so that I can keep in touch with Challenge Control to let them know where I am, let them know I'm all right. That's a piece of gear that I haven't used previously. When I found it worked really well, it was it enabled me to get in touch with challenge control when I've been in places where there's no mobile phone reception. And was that something that they pushed upon you? No, not at all. Uh, they they didn't suggest it. Uh, I'm not sure they even consider it to be necessarily a reliable solution mm-hmm. because they still want you to be able to check in from places where there's a, a reliable telephone connection. So, no, it's not something they pushed at all, but it was something that I felt would make it much easier for me to keep in touch with them. Sure. Let me know your thoughts on the actual event itself. The, the 200 miles, have you found it? You've, you've walked, uh, obviously, extensively in, Can- in Canada and the Rockies. Have you found it uh, the challenge that you anticipated or more, more so? You know, I think it's the challenge that you make it. You can make it as easy or as difficult as you want. Uh, when I designed my route, I wanted to have a really good mix of seeing the natural side of Scotland, doing some Monroes, uh, going cross-country where there are no tracks, no trails. I wanted that challenge, but I also wanted it to be a cultural experience. So that's why I'm finishing here, walking from Tarfside to Edsel, and now finishing in St. Cyrus in the next few moments. Mm-hmm. Because I knew there would be so many other challenges, and I wanted to share that part of the experience with a lot of different people. So I think it's really whatever you make of it, and that's one of the nice things about this event, is that no matter what your level of experience, no matter what you want to get from it, you can make that happen. And have you found uh, you've you've had a warm welcome wherever you've been? Absolutely. People have been really friendly, whether it's other challengers or whether it's locals. Everyone's been very welcoming. For your fellow countrymen, uh, would you? How would you describe this this type of uh, terrain and the actual walking experience? Would it be would it be normal? Would it be comparable to to what you've done in the past or what they've experienced? Oh, it's it's very different than anything that I've ever experienced in Canada. Uh, for one, it's certainly much wetter. You should expect to have wet feet most of the time. Okay. Uh, it's also much more open. Whereas if you're walking in the mountains or the coast in Canada or the U.S., you have forest in many places and you have to go quite high to get up to where you have views. But here, just a short walk, it's completely open. You have amazing views. You can see all around you. Uh, Within a day, you can do multiple 
Monroe's. I, I would say that it's much more accessible terrain here. And that makes it really exciting. You, you really want to get up there. You really want to see as much as you can. Oh, that's really interesting. Um, so, sort of a couple of rapid-fire questions. Uh, on your trip, what has been your best piece of equipment and the one that hasn't performed as you expected, your worst piece? <laughs> that's always a difficult question to answer, I think. Uh, I think I would have to say the best piece of equipment has probably been my rain gear. Uh, I do have a lot of gear from Z-Packs on this trip, and the, the trousers and the jacket have both worked quite well. There have been days when it's been raining and sunny off and on very rapidly, and it's just not realistic to change clothing that much, so I've, I've kept it on. And I haven't overheated, whereas other rain gear I've tried, I've, I've gotten too hot and I've had to take it off. So I've been really quite happy with that. Uh, I don't know that I would say that I've really had any gear failures, to be honest. Everything that I brought, I had a fair deal of experience with. Um, if there's anything that might have let me down, it was the trail runners. Getting them wet, which I totally anticipated, but then having to walk on paved roads and getting some blisters. But again, that's pretty understandable. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, well, blisters are certainly shed amongst many people, so you're you're not on your own from that point of view. Um, and then finally, an emotional from an emotional point of view, what's been your best emotional high and your lowest point? It's again, it's hard to pick out just that one point. I would say probably the the best emotional high. I'm going to pick two actually. One was at the start of the trip. I started in Torridon, which is a, a remote village on the west coast, and. Right away, I got up to a Monroe. It was incredible weather, sunny, just beautiful, not much wind, really atypical of Scotland. And the views were incredible. That was certainly a high moment. Another one was being in Tarfside and staying at the hostel and just seeing everyone so happy, sharing the experience, seeing old friends meet each other who hadn't seen each other for perhaps years and embracing. That was a great experience. I would say the low of the trip has been doing long walks on busy roads. Uh, and that's probably my failing and not having known the, the roads better. And if, I, if I'm able to come back, then I'll try to design my route to avoid those roads. And are you tempted to come back? Would you come back again then? Yeah, absolutely. I would love to. It's been a great experience. And one of the nice things about this is you can start at so many different points on the West Coast. You can finish anywhere you want along the East Coast, and then in between, it's all up to you. So it can be a new experience every time. Congratulations, well done. Thank you very much. Enjoy that walk back at the bank. 
<laughs> all the way along the beach rather than going down and back up the same path. So we finally made it to St. Cyrus um, at the top of the steep path that zigzags its way down to the beach. See a few dots on the beach, people carrying packs. Gosh, it's sheer. It gets steeper and steeper every year I do this. Everybody's ahead of me, they all seem in very good form. So it's a case of going down, dipping your feet in the water, and job done. Hasn't been such a bad uh, day, weather-wise. Just a light drizzle. Everybody's still got the waterproofs on, but nobody's been moving particularly fast to, to overheat, as it is the last day after all. But it's what time is it now? It's 11.35, and I think we left at 8.40. So, not a bad uh, walk. Three hours as we anticipated, three, three and a half hours. So, all in all, very doable. Congratulations, gentlemen. Thank you. Well done, guys. Thank you. Well all the way from America for a you. dip your toe in the water. You could have stayed at home for that. Yeah. Good to see you. Well done. Congratulations. Yeah, well done, Bristol. Thank you. <laughs> Come on through, come on. Thank you. Well done. This, this is the hardest part. Yes, it is. <laughs> Thank you. Congratulations, well, well done. Don't pick up now. No, no. <laughs> As you can hear, everybody's passing those that have gone ahead of them and they're coming past and full of the joys of having it all over and done with and everybody else congratulate each other on another successful crossing <laughs> another big ending well, I was anticipating well done darling and you well done, mate. Well done, Bob. Congratulations, another one in the yeah. can. Yeah. Well done, well done. Well done. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you agree this is the title? Yes. All over and done with, bother shouting. And so, that was it. Standing in the wind and rain on a wide open beach, with one foot in the departing sea, we had achieved our goal to walk once again west to east coast of Scotland. All in all, Rose and I felt we had had a good crossing. Some good weather mixed in with the more dramatic. Some excellent views combined with the more wonderful never-to-be-repeated memories with friends for life. The final task I set for myself was to speak with the youngest and the oldest challengers from this year's crossing. 
two very well-known, much-loved characters who have done this many times since 1994 are Lou and Phyllis LeBowret. They are 85 and 83, respectively. Once everyone had checked in at Control, hosted at the Park Hotel in Montrose, we sat down for a few moments to recapture their strongest memories of the event over the years and the changes which had taken place since they began in 1994. First one we did, uh, I think it was 1994, as with uh, David Towers, and um, <coughs> I thought I was going to go to Oban and turn right. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, I was going to go alone. Yeah. And they put me with uh, David, and, uh, and uh, I thought I was going to die. And uh, <clears throat> I didn't know much about the maps. He had the maps. I followed him like sheep and so on. But and, uh, and there were times we were with a few other people. And, uh, you know, and I thought, well, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to make it. And they said, let's get Lou to the sea. You know? so, and, and it worked out well. And, you know, and Phyllis wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, of course, I came home and jabbered her, jabbered her about this and so forth. And she said, I'll go with you uh, because... Uh, I'm here. Uh, yeah. She said, I'll go with you just to shut you up, you know? And, uh, and so, <clears throat> so, I, so that's the first time we went, we went together. Yeah. And um, I had a little help with the maps. Uh, they would help me with um, some route finding and so on. And then uh, she thought she was going to die. I, I was trying but to kill her. He was already counting the insurance <laughs> money. Right, right. right. So, I mean, that's, so how many have you done now between the pair of you? But to, I'm 15. No, you, this you're My 16. 16 and 17. Oh, congratulations! So there were a few that we didn't make it. You know. Yeah, yeah. We, we were here, but they weren't successful. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah. It would, would have been but 20, they were 21. Wonderful anyway. Yeah. It, you know, yeah. things to remember. So what? So what, what difference hospital. now? What, did, what difference now? Yeah, the hospitals changed. What? Uh, <laughs> what's the difference now since '94 then, and to the challenge now? What? What? What's the difference in the in the feeling of the challenge? That, that's a good ob- observation. Uh, well, the the internet has made a lot of difference, mm. and uh, sometimes GPS, and you know, technology and, we, and technology, and we do we don't we've just used the compass, mm-hmm. which you're happy enough with. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, but th- that has changed some, and um, you know, some people have different attitudes about about the uh, the challenge. That it ought to be this, or it ought to be that, because they they make some assumptions mm-hmm. through the internet. I think. Right. Yes, we we have agree? even discussed this just this morning. That technology has changed. I think changed it. Uh, the. The, the, including clothing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't. I don't think. I think they're the best people in the world, challengers. I really do believe that as a group. How can you find another yeah. another group like yeah. this? Other people walk, but this is such a family as yeah. so many other people have so said. That, so that hasn't changed, and the family nature yeah, of it right. hasn't so changed. The, so, uh, when I say these things. It it's make it different, mm-hmm. but it hasn't uh, made it less less good. You know, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's just different in, in character. Mm-hmm. In, you know, in some respects. 
And and you know. I wondered about this is silly for old people to, to <laughs> say, but it's a it's an adventure. And when you have all the all the information at hand, where's the adventure part of it? Mm-hmm. You know, or it changes or it changes the adventure. Anyway. Or maybe we don't have it, yeah. so we don't know whether yeah. or not. Well, I mean, you've, you've you've had a, your your issues uh, over the years. I mean, yes. a few accidents and yes. slips right. and whatever yeah. else. And I understand Those this year are you adventures had a, too. You, you've had something else this oh, year as yeah. well. Yes. Yeah. Tell, yes. tell me about this year's adventure. Well, it was uh, a terribly frightening adventure uh-huh. that yeah. I wouldn't. Um, well, none of them are, were good, but I did. We, as I saw it, as I recall, my pole. We were holding on, crossing a river, and my pole got caught with his foot. You know, his mm. wide stance and blah blah blah, and somehow lost each other. And as he and said, and she said, "I'm I'm going," and she really and, did. And, yeah. and away I went. There was nobody there, right. and along come two. And she was holding gentlemen. on to a rock, and I, I, oh, I yeah. got across, you know, just barely. And I took my pack off, and I was saying, "How am I going to get to her to get her across?" Mm-hmm. These guys appeared. Mm-hmm. There were three of them. Then the other one disappeared, truly. And and these two guys not on the challenge, and. Uh, they, they stepped in the water and said, would you like some milk? <laughs> <laughs> and, and he, said, and, and he said, which side do you want her? And they did. They both yeah. jumped in the water yeah, and, and walked really, me across. Yeah. Uh, and then thereafter, they told me, this took us off our, mm. our route a bit, because obviously I was very wet and shivering. It was very cold, yeah. and I didn't want to have hypothermia and so they said there's a sheep pen up ahead where you can change your clothes and it was three walls and a roof and I changed my socks and I changed my top and it helped somewhat but it got us to Forest Lodge to Inveroran and we were supposed to be further north Uh, but I oh and Inveroran was full but they called the fellow that lives next door in a funky little white house, mm-hmm. and he was Maurice, gave us his yeah. room. Maurice, Ca- Maurice Cassidy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A lovely man. Uh, and then I was able to mostly get cold, yeah. but traumatized mm-hmm. to tears. Yeah. And my hands were still shaking in the morning. Yeah. But, you know... It's terrible. Just, it's, 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 the, it's the memory, and you suddenly realize yes, right, right, how vulnerable, right, how vulnerable right, you are. Exactly. exactly. No, yes. let, me, let me ask you something, because I interviewed somebody earlier on, and they were saying, you know, everything about the event was positive, but they thought perhaps it could do with, like, um, a panic button type of scenario where if you did get into difficulty, that you could call for assistance. Now, way, the way everything is now currently with technology and so on, do you think, do you think that is something that should be implemented or that is part of the adventure and you you know you you have to accept that you make mistakes and you have errors and yeah well as i see it some places you go as you know you're really in the middle of nowhere and um and sometimes you don't have any thought to do all of that um but um for example in, in her situation well i would be pressing the panic button at mm. that time and what <coughs> happened yeah 
And well, to be honest, if you had pressed the panic button, it's going to be hours before somebody gets exactly, to you. Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. I think it's a, a thing worth considering. Things that is worth considering, particularly as the weather, you know, weather changes and all, mm-hmm. and uh, and the rivers really were high, and and because we had done a, a, a tilt once, was tilt, yeah, uh, tilt once before uh, with the Geldy, and. And and we was with one other friend of ours, brought her along, and she was traumatized the whole time, thinking the gelding is going to be high. Mm. And we got to it, and it was nothing. Mm. But this time it wasn't. And uh, but you know we we got through that uh, pretty well. Well, you know, it it uh, it concerns me. It puts a lot of fear in people. If you know, everybody should have. A, a thing with a panic button and mm. yeah, because you know, I, I know they have into? the spot yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'm aware of that. Yeah. And particularly, you know, you is guys. Is it well used? Uh, what? Do, good, good question. I don't know. I don't mm. think it's been used that much. But when it has been used, it has it been needed. Effective, that's a fact. Yeah, and effective. That's a yeah, fact. Yeah. But is it in your situation, in your age, I just wondered: Do you feel that uh, you should have something like that? Or are you just happy to be? I mean, you, you know, you're young in spirit, and you're. you're <laughs> that's you're, the problem. We have to stop yeah. thinking we're 25. Yeah. Because yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I thought of it. I, there's a lot of ads for it now, mm. and they're more reasonable. And I. I just felt that I'd just assume not. Well, Bob, mm. Lou calls us amateur walkers because we don't go to the Pyrenees and the, you know, all over the world. We haven't done that, but we love this. Mm-hmm. And we have walked. We've walked in the, in the Appalachian Trail some, you know, and that's the whole thing, but on a good number of miles and in different states. So <clears throat> we walked some in, uh, in uh, areas in New Mexico. And uh, and uh, so we, you know we have some idea of that, but some of these guys are just super duper walkers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So how does the event differ from those sort of experiences, the walking experiences you've had, like the AT and so on? Is it is it much more? Uh, you know, what I'm trying to understand really is visualize. Is 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 the challenge a real gritty experience? It's, it's, it's a grittier experience. Yes, and and there's a time element. Right. Whereas if we decided to do a few states. <coughs> on the Appalachian Trail, because it's very long. We could do it at our leisure. Mm. This, if you want to finish, yeah. you want to get to the end. And, yeah, that, and so there's the element of time. Yeah, that's something. With the Appalachian Trail, I mean, if you do a length, a good length of it, it is challenging. And it goes up and down and so forth. But, you know, every so many yards, there's a flashing on a tree. Right. And so, right. Yeah. and 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 uh, although we, we did yeah. walk one time, yeah. and she did get lost. <laughs> you can, you can get lost. Yeah. Well, and you know, and there, and there, and yeah, and there are different ways to go place. off of it. Yeah. But um, so that's it, and it is more or less a trail. I mean, there's some reports hmm. more evident than others, but pretty much it is a trail. Because we have done the West Highland Way. We came over one October. <clears throat> we went through the reunion, mm-hmm. and, and then we did the West Highland Way, and of course that is a, a yeah. way, you yeah. know. Yeah. Right. And did you find that you know looking reflecting on that yeah. compared to to the challenge, how easy it was? Because Rose oh, has done the West Highland Way. Yeah, right. How easy yeah. it was. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. 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 And, and um, still a bit of a challenge. Obviously. We did. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And nothing like this. No. That's right. No, indeed. No. That's right. So, no. 
Yeah, so... Excellent. So, so, well, all I can say is thank you very much indeed for coming uh, once again. It's been always a, always a pleasure to meet you, and it's always yes, nice indeed. to hear your spirit is still fighting uh, hard. Yes, <laughs> no matter what happens to you, because yes. you have such fantastic stories. Oh, we do. See, oh, yes. So even though they're... We keep talking, we can make it more fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Lou and Phyllis LeBowret there, living life to the full. The youngest challenger this year was Melvin Denos, 22, from the Netherlands. In the noisy Park Hotel bar, just before the traditional challenge celebration meal that evening, I discovered that this was actually his second crossing, and he is hopefully the new generation of challengers already hooked on the event. Two years ago, we uh, I've done it with my father and uh, Ross. Ross is a good friend of ours. We have uh, known him for 25 years now. And when I was a little kid, we, he took us for a walk. And he said, when you're 18, we're going to walk the TGO Challenge. But that was uh, just planned two years later. So we walked it two years ago. And then uh, we did it again this year. Okay, so two years ago you were 20, I trust. Uh, yeah, you were. Yeah. Okay, and what was your impression two years ago and your impression now? Uh, a bit the same, rough. Yeah? Rough, yeah, Hard. really rough. Hard as well. Mm-hmm. Except this time I think it was even harder, maybe because the route and yeah, a bit of the, the injury has yeah, uh, come as well. Uh-huh. But yeah, I really, I really liked it. I really okay. liked it. Okay. Um, the, uh, the the difference in this environment, walking in Scotland to walking in Holland, must must be massive. Oh yeah, it is. Netherlands, everything's flat, <laughs> so you can just uh, walk for hours, but it all stays flat. Okay. And here in Scotland, yeah, it's it's amazing. Yeah. You go up and down and down and up again. So yeah, okay. It's yeah, it's amazing, amazing for us to see how how different it is. And how do you how do you and your is it your father you walk with or your yeah, yeah my father yeah yeah my father it's a, yeah. So how do you how do you both find Scotland? What do you think of Scotland? Uh, we think it's amazing. We think it's amazing because yeah, the the difference is what I just said. The difference between flat and the highlands is just amazing. And what about the people and the sort of environment? Um, yeah, on the challenge, I think um, there's a bit where you walk. And there's a bit of uh, society. You, you just, yeah, the social thing. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. that's it. Just the social thing. I, I, I'm really liking it. Everyone uh, comes up and uh, comes for a chat. Just to chat around how you're, go- how you're going, how, are, how is everybody doing right now. So yeah, that's yeah. what I really, really like. About and so, so as the youngest person here, yeah. when we look around the room, yeah. the average age is probably 50-ish. Yeah, it is, yeah. Are you, do you, are you sure you're okay mixing with all these old people? Oh, yeah, that doesn't matter to me. Because I think uh, yeah, every, everyone is uh, going through the same thing. Going through the same challenge. Two weeks of just struggling. Yeah, okay. And just... Yeah, just walk it. Uh, what what um, what training, what preparation did you do for for this event, you and your father? Uh, my father had to walk a lot. For me, I uh, I did do really no training at all because I'm just uh, I play rugby in the Netherlands, so I'm just uh, I'm, I'm busy with that for uh, six days in a week. And you're young and invincible. Yeah. So I think that's training enough. 
Okay. Okay. Now, what about equipment? Equipment-wise, um, well, I've been asking people very quick questions. What was the best piece of equipment you had, and what was the worst piece of equipment you had? Which didn't work as well as you thought? Um, I have to. I have a new tent. Uh, two years ago, we had a tent for two, and we borrowed it from Russ. And now we have to. We have a new tent, and I think uh, that's that's probably the best thing. What I have this year because you can sleep separate. Mm-hmm. So that's that's that was amazing. away from your snoring father. Yeah, you know what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so that was amazing. Uh-huh. And what feels? Yeah, I think the pack doesn't. Yeah, it, it is my thing because um, this is the second time I de- I've done it and the second time I'm uh, being annoyed with the with the pack with the rucksack. Yeah. Oh, okay. It, it just it didn't fit. Uh, not really much space to put things in so don't take this next time okay okay and um, emotionally and your feelings what was your best moment and what was your worst moment the best moment was uh, to come over the Lauer group it was just an amazing walk it was just something I have never seen and yeah, just yeah, it was amazing and the worst moment yeah, was probably today because my feet was hurting really much and I just struggling and humping around to, to get here so yeah, I just was glad when this was over so. well congratulations anyway and thanks very much for coming to uh, to the TGO this yeah, year uh, you, I took it from what you're saying you'll be coming back again yeah 2017 we, uh, we're back yeah just take a, a year rest and then uh, we're back So that's it. My thanks to everyone who took part in this series and to Rose and Andy especially for their patience and contribution. If you visit the Outdoors Station website, you'll see that this year's Challenge podcast series is one of five audio series going back to 2006, offering you a total of 54 episodes to enjoy. You'll also find videos there from 2011, 2013 and this year for even more inspiration and understanding of the challenges involved. Please feel free to email me with any feedback or questions you might have and we will do our best to answer them. Don't forget, entry forms for next year's TGO Challenge can be found in the October issue of The Great Outdoors magazine. In the meantime, thanks for listening, and hopefully I'll see you along the trail one day. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To hear more from our extensive free library, please visit the website at theoutdoorstation.co.uk.